الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praises due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may his peace and blessings be upon our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to tonight's podcast And today we have a very interesting and important topic um, Positive reinforcement in light of what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said about it And before I get into the topic and discuss the ahadith some ayat of the Qur'an related to the topic of positive reinforcement, I want us to go back in history. And this time in history is a time where we have two great companions of the Prophet ﷺ. The first is Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, the great companion of the Prophet ﷺ, and one of the ten companions that have been guaranteed paradise by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Salman al-Farisi radiallahu an. Now, both of these two companions are walking into the Taqi Kisra which is one of the great palatial monuments of the Sassanid Empire, the Persian Empire. And they are walking into this palace as victors, as conquerors, as openers of this of this land and Taqi Kisra its grandeur its magnificence can even be seen today in terms of its remnants it's a heritage site and Taqi Kisra it's said that a single beam of from Taqi Kisra was 130 foot and in terms of the space when you look at the pictures of it it's it's magnificent right it had um, floors and walls of marble there was gold surrounding it it was something that um, we can't even till this day begin to even begin to imagine right let alone at the time of the companions so you have these two companions Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas and Salman al-Farisi coming in as Bedouins, as people that have come and begun their journey um, in Islam in the Arabian Peninsula. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas being one of the earlier converts to Islam um, when he was a teenager. And Salman al-Farisi later on becoming Muslim in the city of Medina. But they are now entering into Taqi Kisra, the, the, the palace of the Kisra as victors. And you can imagine what they must have been feeling at that time. You know, you, you wouldn't have a building more than three stories, you know, in the city of Medina at that time, in the Arabian Peninsula. The, there were fountains that were around them. There was lavishness, extravagance that was around them, right? These, this was a site that they themselves would have been astonished at. And so Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas walks into the palace of the Kisra, alongside Salman al-Farisi, who is at that time about 100 years of age, right? And I want, I want us to imagine Salman at this point. Salman, remember during his journey to Islam, his journey begins in Persia, right? Within the Persian Empire. And Salman al-Farisi, he probably never got the opportunity 
of entering into the Taqi Kisra. Right? Even though um, you know, his father had an esteemed position, he was not royalty at that time. So he wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to enter into the palace of the Kisra. And by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at a hundred years of age, he enters into the palace of the Kisra as a victor. Now, as they walk through this great, magnificent palace and are looking adoringly at the magnific magnificence of this palace with its um, palatial marble, with its gold, with its ornaments, with its beautiful carpets, with beams that uh, are seemingly going into the sky, they enter into the Ivani Kisra which is the throne room, right? And this room is where the Kisra would host all of his guests, dignitaries, uh, you know, uh, rulers of that time. And he would astonish them by the opulence, the, the grandeur of his, of his palace. And the Taqi Kisra and Ivani Kisra, you know, these were generations upon generations of work, right? So like the pyramids in Egypt, there, it was built upon by successive generations. Until this day, you have the structure there, right? So you have these freestanding, this freestanding building, freestanding beams um, uh, in the palace, and they enter into the Ivani Kisra, which is the throne room. The throne room, and the throne room, again, is around 110 foot high, 30 meters high, uh, covering an area of. 24 by 48 meters, right? And it has the, the throne of the Kisra. And the first thing that they do, both Saman al-Farisi and Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhuma, is that they begin to pray, or uh, Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, he announces the Adhan. He calls out the Adhan. And he calls out the Adhan not because it is the time for prayer, um, but because this is the this, this was a great achievement and Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas felt compelled to glorify Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name at that moment. And so he announced the Adhan and then it was said that they prayed eight successive raka'at without taslim as a form of thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the work for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas and Salman al-Farisi. The work didn't just end or didn't just begin when they had entered that palace. But it had stretched, but it had begun before that. Right? Even before the Battle of Qadisiyah. Right? Because usually we see that as being the turning point by which the Muslims were able to get dominance over the Persian Empire. Right, so the Battle of Qadisiyah where the, uh, the Persians would use elephants in order to frighten the enemy. Right? And Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas came with the great strategy of shooting right, the, um, the arrows into the eyes of the elephants. Right? He said that their the whole bodies are protected with armor except for their eyes. And so Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas being the great archer that he was, um, he came with the strategy of hitting the, the elephants with their eyes. And... Obviously, uh, we know that the Muslims, they had won the Battle of Qadisiyah and it took four days for them to win the battle, right? The first, on the first day, they were um, 
they were met with a lot of calamity, difficulty, right? At one stage, it looked like they were about to lose, but we know they had won uh, by the fourth day. Not only was it the Battle of Qadisiyah, not only was it the Battle of Madain and the successive battles that happened afterwards within a period of eight years in which the Persian Empire was, uh, was then conquered and defeated by the Muslims, but all of this began, I would say, the seeds were planted all the way back during the time of the Prophet Right, And my argument is that this great confidence that was instilled within Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas and Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhuma and all of the, the companions radiallahu anhum ajma'een this was, these were all seeds that the Prophet sallallahu had planted within them and through, through the process of positive reinforcement right? for example when we look to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he is one of the earlier converts to Islam, right? And he becomes a Muslim um, as a teenager, right? The narrations state that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, when he became Muslim, he, you, could know, you, could, you couldn't see any hair on his face, right? So he was very young. And so he had accompanied the Prophet ﷺ at a very young age. And since he was... Um, a Muslim at this very early stage, we see snippets in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ where the Prophet ﷺ would constantly um, give Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas words of encouragement, words of positivity to ensure that he had this uh, positive mindset. Right? Um, as an example, the Prophet ﷺ as a way of honoring Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, as a way of showing his status, the Prophet ﷺ had called him Khali, right? he had called him his uncle. Right? Even though Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas was younger, right? and at the time of him becoming a Muslim, he had no hair on his face, as a way of the Prophet ﷺ honoring him, he called him Khali, right? that he was like my uncle. We know as well that um, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas was announced by the Prophet ﷺ on more than one occasion that he was among the ten who would be guaranteed paradise. One of the Ahad al-Mubashirina bil-Jannah. Asharat al-Mubashirina bil-Jannah. Now, this is important because the Prophet ﷺ, like what bigger compliment could you give someone Right, a companion of the Prophet sallallahu then a basically the keys to Jannah. Right, you you're telling him that you are going to be guaranteed paradise. Right, for many of us, right, we think the you know if if we have this sort of negative mindset, we think such a compliment would mean that we would sit on our laurels, we would we wouldn't work hard, we would just rest, and we would. Uh, just sit and stand by but for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas this was a fuel this was ammunition for him to work even harder for the deen and we know that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas he fights in you know the key key battles of Islam right he fights in um, the battle of Badr he fights in the battle of Uhud right where um, he was protecting the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and it's amazing to see actually that you know when you go to Medina now 
and you go to the railway museum in Medina, you actually see the Qawfs, the you can see the the bow of Saad ibn Abi Waqqas, the bow that he used, right, which is still in a museum today. So we know that he fought in all of these battles, including the, the Fath al-Makkah, Battle of Qadisi, and many, many others, right? And so this, these words of encouragement had fueled Saad ibn Abi Waqqas to reach new heights uh, in terms of his commitment, in terms of his um, uh, willingness to sacrifice, in terms of his willingness um, to spread uh, Islam to the entire globe. And so these words of encouragement by the Prophet ﷺ was were like fuel to him. Right? We also know that in the Battle of Badr, when Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas had put himself in the line of fire, when the tables were turned on the Muslims, that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas had taken it upon himself to be in the line of fire and to protect the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ would give him words of encouragement and the way in which the Prophet ﷺ would say it is not recorded as, as him having said that to any other companion. Right? The Prophet ﷺ, he says, Irmi fidaka abi wa ummi. Right? The Prophet ﷺ, he says to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Throw, may my mother and my father be sacrificed for you. Right? So this line of wording was not mentioned before to any other companion except for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. Right? And so how fitting was it for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas to be the one who comes up with the idea to shoot the, the elephants in the, eye, in the eyes in the Battle of Qadisiyah. Right? And once um, they had won that battle, the Battle of Qadisiyah, obviously that was one part of the uh, Great Persian Empire, but the Persian Empire had spanned different territories. Right? And you had the, the city of Tesaphon, which was across the Euphrates. They hadn't yet conquered that. Right? So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas and the other companions were, were there at that time. And they were thinking to themselves, how are we going to cross the river? Right? And so um, some state that it was a miracle. Others state that you know, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he looked at the conditions of that time and the tides and whatever else. And he ordered his army to go through uh, that river, that, that uh, piece of water into the main city of Tesaphon um, of the Persians, of the great Sassanid Empire and they were able uh, to conquer them by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas as well um, afterwards, right, as almost as a reward for his um, achievements, his uh, achievements on the battlefield and his um, achievements in being a leader um, amongst the Muslims, Umar bin Khattab, he makes him the governor of Iraq. Right? So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he is the leader, right? he is a governor, he is in a position of authority, he is the governor of Iraq, right? in charge of governing the affairs of the people. And you know, it is said that Iraq at that time was not an easy place to govern. Right, we know that during the uh, the Khilaf of Umar bin Khattab, that's when the discontent begins, right, against some of the companions. Right, so you had during the time of Umar bin Khattab, Iraq being opened, right, Saad ibn Abi Waqqas becoming um, a um, a governor of this city, 
But then you have elements from within there that begin to uh, dispute, um, you know, his governorship, etc. Right? But Saad ibn Abu Waqqas, he always held uh, held himself in high esteem, and he showed foresight and great vision uh, when he did uh, govern. So the seeds of the greatness of Saad ibn Abi Waqqas were planted um, all those years ago, right? Since he was a teen by the Prophet And this is important for us to mention because yes, when we look at the world around us, there are many challenges, many difficulties, many calamities, many obstacles um, that the Ummah is currently facing. And oftentimes uh, we can feel a sense of being overwhelmed, um, of being overcome by sadness, right? And um, this then, you know, uh, transfers to us, right? So we see, for example, uh, you know, many, uh, we've all been, you know, in, in khutab or, you know, sermons where the khatib will just smash and bash the ummah, will say, oh, look, you know, you, we're astray and we're losing because of you guys, because you're following the dunya, because you're doing this, because you're doing that, right? So it's a constant uh, bombardment, right? And it's easy for us, right? And it's easy for us to get into a mindset where uh, we start internalizing all of this negativity and we ourselves um, are then part of the problem, right? But the, what, the, what the Prophet ﷺ, he teaches us is he teaches us that despite the calamities that we may be facing as an ummah, despite the um, obstacles that we face, right? Or despite the trials and tribulations that one may face in their life, that the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near. That we should have a positive outlook towards this. That we should not despair in, the, uh, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's victory. That victory is soon, right? That we should not have a negative attitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but rather we should have this husna dhannu billah, that we should have this positive um, understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that all of, the, all of these trials and tribulations happen for a reason. Um, and it is our job then to work to change our situation, right? And so we see with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he, he does this, um, on another, on, on a number of occasions, right? In one hadith that is reported by uh, Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, he says, "La wa al He says there are no bad omens, right? He says there are no bad omens, um, but the best of it is optimism, right? Al fa'al to look positively at something. And the companions they ask the Prophet what is fa'al? What is this thing?" called optimism. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, It is the good word that you hear. Right? So, um, you know, good words in terms of encouragement, good words in terms of, um, you know, a, a positive message. These are things that are associated with fa'al or, or optimism. Right, so the Prophet ﷺ, he mentions that in another narration, um, it is said that كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يتفاءل ولا يتطير ويعجبه الاسم الحسن. 
right? That the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam yatafa'alu, right? That the Prophet sallallahu was optimistic and he didn't see, he didn't look at bad omens, right? And he liked good names. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was always optimistic, right? And this is a, a hadith that was narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas, right? Again, when he interacts with the Prophet sallallahu he's he's interacting at a very young age with him. Right? He's beca- he becomes Muslim around the age of 14, right? And he is uh, living with the Prophet, breathing with the Prophet, right? And another hadith um, that's also associated with this is a hadith that is narrated by Anas bin Malik, radiallahu an, uh, where he says, Right, the Prophet ﷺ, he says in this hadith that is narrated by Anas bin Malik, when one of you supplicates, let him be determined in his supplication. Right, Right, let him be determined and put effort into his, um, in his du'a, and he should not say in fa'atini. He shouldn't say if you want, then give it to me. Right, um, because there is no one to coerce Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Right, so even having that. That feeling of like, you know, if you want to give it. No, when you ask dua, you supplicate, hoping and um, yearning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to answer your dua, right? And this is from Anas bin Malik radiallahu an. Right? Anas bin Malik is the companion of the Prophet who is at the service of the Prophet since the age of 10. Right? And when the Prophet dies, he's 20 years of age. So, Anas bin Malik, he spends 10 years of his life with the Prophet ﷺ. And these are the formative years, right? When, um, you know, he's going through puberty, he is becoming a man. And so he's interacting with the Prophet ﷺ. And his interactions with the Prophet ﷺ are very interesting. Um, because, you know, we all have memories of that teacher, right? Who was always grumpy and always really negative and always like uh, putting, uh, you know, putting you down, putting the whole class down and saying, why are you guys like this? Why are you guys so, re-? you know, and he's, and he's put himself in a situation where his mindset is all about criticizing the students. Now, our memories of this teacher are also negative as well. We, we associate negativity with this teacher, right? That, oh, this, uh, this teacher was always angry. Um, he would always highlight our faults. He wouldn't, you know, praise us for any of the work that we did, right? Give us any positive feedback. It was all uh, pretty negative, right? Now, we contrast this with the Prophet ﷺ and his relationship with Anas bin Malik. An. Anas bin Malik, he says in a narration, I served the Prophet ﷺ for 10 years, right? So. He serves, he's in the service of the Messenger of Allah for 10 years. And he said, never once did the Prophet ﷺ say to me, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Right? Um, or do this or do that. Despite the fact that Anas bin Malik was given to the Prophet ﷺ as a servant. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ would always have these words of kindness, always these words of encouragement for Anas, radiallahu an. Right? He would, you know, the Anas bin Malik. When you look at some of his narrations, 
Right, he would say, for example, "Ma ra'aytu Nabi Sallam illa mubtasiman." I never saw the Prophet except that he was uh, smiling. Right, he was encouraging to to Anas. Right, he said, "I never felt any hands not uh, that were that were softer, not even softer than silk than the Prophet's hands." Right, again, this is a narration from uh, from Anas bin Malik radiAllahu an, and we see the impact that the Prophet had on him. That when he had uh, passed away, he 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 said radiyallahu an he said lamma qad qadima an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ila al-madina that when the prophet sallallahu arrived in madina adaa minha kulla shay it was as if everything was enlightened right and he said when the prophet sallallahu passed away adlamu minha kulla shay he said that when the prophet sallallahu passed away adlamu minha kulla shay it was as if everything was dark right and so the impact that the Prophet ﷺ had on him by these positive uh, interactions, by these positive reinforcements, this built you know, the character of not only Anas bin Malik radiallahu an, it built the, the characters of an entire generation that would go on to spread Islam to the entire globe. Right? And this is really important that no matter how, how bad... Uh, our, our situation is and you know one could claim that there is no worse situation than the situation that the muslims were in in the early stages in mecca at the time of the prophet where there was widespread per, uh, persecution boycotts of the muslims starvation there was um slandering of of the prophet um there was mutilation Right, where and, and torture, right? We we know, for example, what happened to Bilal bin Rabah. We know what happened to Sumayya radiallahu anha, and, and all of these companions in the early stages of the da'wah, and how much they they went through, and how much they had sacrificed uh, during these these this very formative period. But again, we see the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam focusing, right, on uh, you know on on the positive elements. Right, that reminding Sumaya that your reward is Jannah. Right, that this is the this is this is the reward of your sacrifice. The reward of your sacrifice is the Jannah. Right, that um, um, you know that the you know the the victory of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is coming. Uh, you know, as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Ala inna nasrallahi qarib." That verily the victory of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is coming, and so. The Prophet ﷺ, when we see in these formative years, in, in, in his formative years in Mecca and also in Medina as well, the Prophet ﷺ, um, wouldn't put down the companions, right? Wouldn't you know deliver an entire khutbah where he would just go, oh look, we're not powerful enough today, we are very weak today because of the sins that you've committed. No, but rather we saw the Prophet ﷺ building these companions, building their character, building their confidence, right? And likewise as well in in our situation today. So how do we how do we apply then this uh, trait and this characteristic of the Prophet ﷺ, um, in the way we conduct ourselves, in the way we uh, interact with the Ummah, right? Now. Um, Without sounding too cliche, because I know that there is, uh, as well, you know, when we talk about positivity and positive reinforcement, um, it's it's in that context where you know, 
you know, human, you know, these human beings are incredibly sensitive and we need to sort of build their confidence. But the way I want to look at it is from that pro uh, prophetic perspective, right? This is when we look at the seer of the Prophet Sallallahu when the Prophet, when the companions did something wrong, right, he would account them for that. But he would also as well identify their positive points and would encourage this, right? So for example, uh, when the companions that were hastening in making their wudu, the Prophet ﷺ screamed out, "Waylu lil aqabi min al-nar, waylu lil aqabi min al-nar." Right? He said, "Woe to the hills and the and the hellfire because they hadn't washed uh, their hills properly." But at the same time, um, as we see in these hadith, the Prophet ﷺ he was always optimistic, right? And he had and he was always encouraging um, of the companions, right? We know, for example. Um, you know, the Prophet ﷺ would say uh, about Ali radiallahu an that uh, I am to Ali as Musa was to Harun. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ was giving words of encouragement to Ali radiallahu an. Right? And so these are, these are the things that the Prophet ﷺ had embedded and, uh, into the companions. And so in terms of the way we engage with, uh, with the Ummah, it is important, like the Prophet ﷺ did, to identify right the the issues that are concerning the ummah right what are the uh, you know what's what's happening in the ummah because the prophet also said that the uh, the the muslims fi tawadihim wa tarahumihim kamathal jasad alwahid that the muslims in their mutual love and respect for uh, for one another is like one body if one part hurts the other parts in, are in sleeplessness and fever Yes, so we identify these uh, uh, these issues, right? That th these are the things that are happening into the ummah, and we then mobilize the ummah, right, to to work for its change, right? Now we said that um, when we look at the example of uh, Saad ibn Abi Waqqas, that the encouragement that the Prophet ﷺ gave gave to him was like fuel to the fire. Right, it ignited something within him, and he then went on to achieve these great things. Right now, with the sons of this ummah, we apply the same principle as well. Right, that we we encourage the ummah to engage in this work. Right, that this work is not easy. Right, this work to make Islam the leader of the world today is not an easy task. Right, to re-establish the Khilafah is not an easy task. Right, but the way it's achieved is not by constantly um, talking about how bad we are, right? But the the way we achieve this is by giving direction and leadership to the ummah, right? And uh, and using that as a as a way of positively uh, reinforcing the message of Islam within them, right? Saying that you are the ones you are the ones that are going to be carrying this deen of ours uh, into the future, right? So that should be this approach should be evident in the way we interact with the ummah in the way we give our khutab, in the way we give our lessons, um, in our schools, right? In our schools. Um, for those of you that work in education, we know, we know like, you know, how, uh, how difficult it is and how challenging it is. Um, you know, the, the many issues that are, that are confronting the ummah. But again, right? Um, this, you know, uh, positively rein, uh, uh, reinforcing um, or using this, a tactic of positive 
reinforcement to our youth, to our young people, not constantly trying to put them down and giving them low, uh, a low sense of confidence, but rather building them up, building their confidence up, right? And, having, and allowing them to have that confidence uh, in their Islam. And if we do this, inshallah, like we saw the likes of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, like Salman al-Farisi, Anas bin Malik, and the other companions, many other companions of the Prophet we will see the same great champions uh, arise from this ummah once again. Uh, we'll leave it there bi-idhnillahi ta'ala wa sallillahumma wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.